Oh, yeah, the popularity, like they'd been, you know, Molly had been on them for well over a, a year or so and they'd had all those hits and I was a huge fan. And, uh, you know, when I was freelancing as tour director with Paul Dainty and he got the tour and I did the tour and I was really excited to be part of it. Now, Kent, at that time, your job as a tour director, what, what was your task? What did you do for them? Oh, you you know, I put all the logistics together of the hotels, flights, uh, overseer, set up with all the shows, um, basically ran the tour. What, what Was this different from other tours that you had done previously? Well, it was the first time that, you know, they bought in an inflatable roof, they bought in uh, new sound and lighting that we'd never seen in this country. Um, they we had hydraulic stages. It was uh, it was the first of what was to come with the big production outdoor events. It, it seems when you read about the tours that it was very organised. Yeah, it was fantastically organised. I mean, we're very good at what we do, and they were very very together. I mean, when they got off the plane in their white. Qantas Abbott jackets that looked like a Swedish football team coming, you know. <laughs> Did you? And, and I read somewhere also, this was one of the first tours in Australia. There was a very specific merchandise involved in the whole tour. There was... Yeah, the merchandise was huge. They'd really done a job on the merch. They had a lot of items of merchandise. And, you know, it, it was a first in many, many ways. Okay. And what was the other first for you with this tour? Oh, you know, just playing huge stadiums and putting in seating and um, just the production, everything was just above what we'd ever seen in this country. So, you know, not only did we have about 100 people on the road, we also had a film crew of about 150 people on the road filming that the movie ABBA. Ah, so not, it was yes. pretty fucking crazy. <laughs> so... But it, it started with a disaster, at least weather-wise, I understand. Yeah, we set up, uh, we built the stage, we set up in Sydney, we built the stage, set it all up in pouring non-stop rain for a week. Oh, God. And the first show we played in the rain and everybody bought their umbrellas and, you know, one of the girls slipped over on stage. We had 100 white cows from the Siebel townhouse. And most of us spent most of the night, including their manager, just wiping the stage down. What went through your mind then, Michael? Do you think, oh, shit, this is it? How do you as a tour manager overcome that stuff? Well, you know, we we obviously, you know, their crew was very good and uh, our crew was very good and we actually rainproofed the stage as much as possible. If they hadn't have bought the... Uh, the inflatable roof with them, uh, we will, probably wouldn't have had a show because we weren't. There were no roofs in stage roofs in this country at that stage. Does a tour manager become close to the actual performer? Oh no, not really. I, you know, I got to know them. But one of the things that um, I learnt and still continue to do, even as a promoter, is you don't. You don't hassle the act. If the act want to talk to you, if they want to have dinner with you, they'll ask you. And, you know, we we always maintain that um, that distance. But, and they like acts like that. 
they like you to be seen and not heard. But was there any one of them that you felt maybe that you'd become more closer to or anyone that you had a like an open line to as far as talking to? Yeah, Bjorn and Benny were, you know, we talked to them a bit. The girls were quite friendly. Uh, Richard Norton and Bob Jones, who were our Australian security guys, uh, were very close to them and were, got them into training every day and everything. Yeah. Um, they were really nice people and the honorars were nice people. They had their own doctor with them. They had masseuses and it was different to anything we'd ever seen. Do you think they knew how big they were in Australia and how did they react to that? Oh, they reacted magnificently to that. I mean, you know, they yeah, they knew how big they were. I mean, look, this was bigger than the Beatles. It was just incredible. When we did the Melbourne Town Hall on Moomba Monday, when they went to the balcony of the Melbourne Town Hall, there were so many people in the streets of Melbourne. It was like we had to, I had to work with the Deputy Commissioner of Victorian Police to get them there and back. It was just, it was like a military exercise. And that's how it was. And it was like that everywhere we went. Now, if you describe the show for them to someone who wasn't there, I mean, it was 1977, what was so amazing about these shows, would you say? The way, the whole production, the way they performed, everything. Oh, the choreography was magnificent. I mean, they had, they had a worked-out show, and they had, you know, the orchestra would come up on hydraulics into the middle of the stage, and then they'd disappear Uh, the lighting was totally... We'd never seen some of the lighting. They had the effects that they had. And, uh, you know, their backup singers, it was a total show. Did you feel there was any particular member of ABBA that the audience appreciated more? No, no, I don't. I think uh, everybody had their favourites. I mean, obviously the girls were, you know, monstrous with everybody. Yeah. I tried to understand this incredible adulation that Australia had for ABBA. I mean, it, it's almost you feel like it was one of the few countries in the world where they were so enormous. How how can, how do you describe that, Mike? Oh no, they were enormous everywhere, and it finally broke in America as well. But basically, it all began because of Countdown. Molly Meldrum's Countdown was watched. You know, on Sunday night at six o'clock, whether you were having dinner or tea or whatever you were doing, the whole families used to gather around the box and watch Countdown. Yeah. And Molly broke the band. I mean, and once they started to break, I mean, those records, Fernando and all that, they were on top of the charts for weeks and weeks and weeks. Now, it began with a bang with all this rain pouring down on you guys, but it also ended in a kind of bang in Perth. Can you talk about that? Yeah, yeah. I was uh, backstage and the head policeman came up to me and said, you're going to have to get him off the stage. We've had a bomb scare. And I said to him, oh, that's fucking ridiculous. You know that's not true. Anyway, he wouldn't budge. So I had to walk up on stage and tap um, the keyboard player Benny it was, or yeah. no, it was Bjorn, yeah. uh, on the shoulder and say, uh, excuse me, Bjorn, we need to stop the show. There's been a bomb scare. So they walked off and then um, I got on the microphone and we emptied the venue out section by section. It was all very orderly. And then about an hour later, we let them all back in and the show went on. <laughs> Did Pain in the ass. <laughs> Pain in the ass. Would you think this show 
economically, was it a very financially um, positive tour they made in Australia? Oh, it was huge. They made a lot of money. Paul Dainey made a lot of money. The record companies made a lot of money. The hotels and the cities they went to. I mean, it was a huge economic success for everybody. Is it fair to say that this is one of the biggest, first biggest act that you were involved with, Michael? Well, at that stage, it was the biggest ever. I mean, then then followed, you know, the David Bowies and the Fleetwood Macs and, you know, the Elton Johns and, I mean, you know, yeah. the Robbie Williamses and the ACDCs. I mean, they've all been big, big attractions, but ABBA was the first of the really, really... And it was across the board. It wasn't just a teeny or teen bopper audience. It was an audience of from two to fucking 70. Yeah. And, you know, that was very rare in those days. It's happened since with acts like Robbie Williams and that, but and Adele, obviously. Yeah. Where, where you get the whole cross-section of the, the public loving you. Yeah. And that's what ABBA was. And, you know, it was incredible. I mean, that... Uh, we we went after the stress of setting up for the week and playing in the rain. We went back to the sea, we went to the downstairs ballroom and had a huge party. Mm. And at 6 a.m., I got a call from the security guy at the showground and he said, you better come out here, we've got a real problem. So Eric Robinson and I, who was the production director, we jumped in the car feeling like shit and went out to the showground and the entire 10,000 seats were floating. Oh, shit. And uh, if it hadn't have been for the uh, security guy turning off the generator to the uh, inflatable roof, um, which was sitting six inches from the floor of the stage full of water, we probably would have lost the stage. Oh, God. So it was pretty funny. But but it seems, though, Michael, when you talk about this, that you almost seem to have extraordinary fond memories of this tour. Oh, yeah. Yeah? yeah. I mean, it was, look, you know, it was... It was the first of many, yeah. but it was the first. And, uh, you know, the way music took over this country, I mean, it was incredible. Mm. Now, you've seen the film. Do you think the film, about the movie, captures the spirit that you've been talking about? Uh, it's not a bad movie. Yeah. Um, you know, I, they, you know, it was, it's a movie. I, I mean, I think the documentary that, I saw a while back probably captured it better. Mm. Now, uh, uh, well, final questions are really, was it common at that time to see what I understand was a very um, a huge variety in the audience when it came to ages, sex? It was a mix bag, wasn't it? Oh, totally. From two years old to 70 years old. No doubt about it. Yeah. You know, there were gays, there were school kids, there were babies, there were nans and pops. And yeah. It was incredible. Ah. And, and and the ticket price I, I I read somewhere was actually actually much higher than than people were used to pay for a concert in this country at that time. Yeah, yeah, it was, but it was still very cheap. Yeah, nine dollars. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, unbelievable. All right. Now I want to end with two questions. First, is there any particular memory of this tour that you want to tell to my to talk to my audience? Like a specific moment with ABBA that that you remember? Uh, 
saying goodbye in Perth at the uh, yacht club on the river was quite a sad night for everybody because it had totally, you know, totally immersed everybody on the tour for two weeks and you didn't do anything else. So it was quite sad when they flew away. Mm. Michael, what's your favorite ABBA song? Uh, I'd have to say Dancing Queen. Thank you so much for talking to us. No worries, Johan. Thank you, Michael.